Okay, welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also streaming at KUCI.org. This is Robert Larson. This is our April 4th, 2008 edition of the show. It's 5.09 on the clock. We uh, had our usual opening music there that you all love so much. Get us pumped up. I got it right. And we also had a little something extra today before that. We had... This is by Time Shard, a track called 25th Century, kind of little spacey stuff, a throwback to my old uh, show, Cartoon Pleroma. But uh, here we are in 2008, and we've got so much uh, important, <laughs> disastrous <laughs> things to discuss, and you're hearing a little chuckle there from my... In studio guest today, uh, f- holdover from last week because he was so uh, insightful and he's always great to have on the show. Thomas Sagonka, welcome. Thank you, Robert. Okay, let me see. Probably maybe get a little closer to the mic there. Oh, here I go again. My bad radio uh, skills showing uh, themselves. Yeah, you and I've got sunglasses on too. Yeah, that, that's uh, that makes a huge difference for the listeners out there. They can tell when you're wearing sunglasses. I just seem so shady today. I'm sure. <laughs> But yeah, good to have you back because uh, you and I have been we we talk all the time. And between last week's show and today, we had some more thoughts that we felt needed to be shared with interesting conversations. Yes, listeners yeah. in Orange County and all of you out there on the internet who faithfully faithfully listen to Out the Rabbit Hole. Before we get a little deeper into it, I want to remind you that the opinions expressed on the program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And uh, I also also love getting feedback from you all. R.G. Larson at KUCI.org. You can also catch me on MySpace. That's MySpace.com slash Out the Rabbit Hole. So, Thomas, I came across some numbers before uh, the show today, actually over the last couple of days, and, oh, gosh, we know the economy <laughs> is just utterly a mess. And we have more numbers indicating that it's maybe even not maybe it is worse than it's pretty bad than we had thought so uh yes the i'm looking at a headline right here unemployment rises to 5.1 percent as employers cut 80,000 jobs mm-hmm. and i also heard something uh going along with that it's not just jobs that they're cutting because of uh profits dwindling but consumer spending being down employers are nervous about uh, new hires, and so they're eliminating jobs as well. So uh, people are losing jobs, no new jobs are being created. Um, in most cases, one would call that a recession. As the, re- the economy ceases to grow and starts pulling back, that's called a recession. The only people not calling it a recession are uh, the administration. Yeah, and it's the, the administration and their apologists and the right-wing uh, partisans have been saying prior to things getting so horribly bad as they are now, let's go back a couple years when the numbers, they were, they were touting these numbers of job creation. Oh, we had this many hundred thousand jobs created. But all the time when they were talking about that... It's the type of jobs that were being created. Yes, and they failed to mention that there wasn't really a net gain because it was, a, it was a loss still because the money that was uh, generated by these jobs that was going into the economy they were lower paying jobs uh, they were stagnant wage jobs so uh, there wasn't more money coming into the economy through in, uh, the working force 
yet prices were rising and everything. So any job gains were almost uh, uh, really mute uh, and negligible based on the fact that costs were rising and uh, everything else affecting our economy was uh, taking these new jobs into the almost the opposite direction they almost were you know, a loss in jobs really well actually it was because there's a situation where there are always new people entering the workforce correct and so not just immigration just people turning 16 coming people, out of college and people becoming work age there's just always more coming in and uh People are not dying off as the, to the numbers they were like 30 years ago. Anyway, so so when you have all all this job creation supposedly going on, it wasn't accounting for that. Mm-hmm. So when they were saying, "Oh, we had a hundred thousand jobs created last month," well, a hundred thousand people, new people entered the workforce. There's no net gain. No net gain. And, and so these kinds of numbers ha- have been neglected, and the the picture has been bad for quite some time. And as you point out, the low-paying jobs seem to be the ones coming in mm-hmm. and many of the more the decent paying jobs have been outsourced so outsourced uh, and just eliminated from uh, larger corporations and cutting out the middleman uh, middle management uh, and cutting out the the people that are earning money at the higher end they've been around for a while and some of these even in a blue-collar situation where somebody's working in a factory they've been there for a long time they're getting good salary uh, once they're eliminated, once they retire or have been forced to retire or have been laid off, uh, the job that replaces them is really a low-paying job. Whoever's stepping into those positions aren't coming in at the same salary. That money is sort of squirreled away. Uh, it, it seems to Money seems to trickle upward. Well, yeah, as all this is going on, and this has been going on for 25 years, this trend... Mm-hmm. <laughs> the salaries for the CEOs CEO have been skyrocketing, in not just here compared to 25 years ago. Now compared to other industrial nations, if you compare it to Europe, you compare it to Japan, the CEO salaries are they're more in line with uh, the. It's a we, you and I have discussed. It's a smaller percentage. Um, in Europe and Japan, based uh, if you take the the average salary of a worker in a company, the CEO's salary is roughly 25, 24, 25 times that average salary. Where in the United States, it's something around six hundred plus times that salary. It's yeah, just a, it, an immense imbalance. And even in these large banking firms that are having trouble right now, the top brass are still making a lot of money. They've got these guarantees, these deals. The boards are still walking away with, with you know, tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars each. You know, meanwhile the investors are losing. Uh, everyone else is losing. It's really an imbalance. Yet there's this banking system in this country which allows for that to happen. Well, and right, these guys responsible for the mortgage meltdown mm-hmm. was the one that went under the countrywide. Countrywide, which was teetering on the edge. Yeah. And the CEO is going to walk, I think, with seventy million extra this year, or sixty-six million, something like that. Even with the meltdown of his company, he's making you know tens of millions of dollars. Now, you and I know, and we have a job, and <laughs> we uh, engage in activities that cause whatever we're doing at that company to <laughs> melt down, <laughs> to cost them enormous amounts of money. 
We're going to be fired, and fired. we're going to walk away with maybe uh, two weeks' pay, maybe the vacation pay they owe if us. If that. Yeah, if that. and <laughs> If that, because it could find that, you know, for whatever reason, sometimes it can be termed that, you know, what we've the damage we've caused, we need to sort of pay back in some way or another. Yeah, we're not going to walk away where we're going to be set for life, where we're not going to have to work again if we don't feel like right. it. Right, no golden parachute for uh, you and I. So this is a real problem, and it, and it ties back to regulations, the way corporations are set up, and we need to really look at this and hopefully get things back to some level of insanity maybe after the election in November, mm-hmm. uh, maybe if uh, we get a Democrat and a, a larger majority in the, of Democrats in the Congress. Not saying that's necessarily true. I, I have some real problems with some of the things the Democrats oh, have sure. been doing. But, however, it, there is... a, a Definitely more on the Republican side, this sort of catering to corporate America, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of uh, it letting them, uh, as I like to say, corporations run wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> corporations gone wild. Tune in. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's another uh, video series we're going to Video series. It could be interesting. Um, although some of those guys, I really don't want to see them getting into some of these squirrely situations. It'd be pretty ugly business. Well, now, of course, you know, the dishonor they're bringing on themselves and their companies, and you know, I think I mentioned this last week, I think really the only way to, to bring honor back would be, you know, Harry Carey sort of ritualized suicide. Um, you know, maybe that could be a regulation we fight for. I don't know. Well, you know, that's an interesting concept. I've been thinking about that over the past week. By the way, this is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. Robert Larson speaking today with Thomas Saganko. I have become so outraged and so incensed and changing the subject here a little bit, but relating it back to your Harry Carey uh, thing. And not the baseball announcer from Chicago. Yes, uh, that's a whole other thing. But this article came out in Vanity Fair. It's called, what is this called? Green green Lighted. It's about the uh, Bush administration, uh, the Green Light, and how that their torture program was not something that came from the bottom up, and then they just sort of... Uh, had a problem these people down in the military lower levels were doing this no this was coming from the very top from the very beginning and this is totally documented in this new article in vanity fair anyway i'm just thinking this is so shameful this is just so horrific what these guys are doing it is it's absolutely clear now it is war crimes it's against what our what I've, as, as an American, have felt proud of, that our nation is not the nation that engages in torture, that we go out in the world trying to do the right thing, and yeah, here I feel embarrassed. Right, so I'm thinking, you know, being a civilized person, I don't believe in the death penalty, I don't believe in, and definitely don't believe in torture, even for people who are doing that themselves. Even for people that deserve it. But <laughs> So what do we do with these guys? I mean, how do we deal with their shame? And I, I think you bring up this good point of uh, th- this concept of shame that they have in it was the Japanese culture. And it's just like, you know, this is what some of the war criminals did at the end of World War II. Death before dishonor. Yeah, and so, yeah, maybe these guys want to consider that. Uh, Douglas Fife and uh, Alberto Gonzalez, Dick Cheney, you, you know, this is the only way to... Your shame is so great. This is the only thing that could maybe... Uh, well, they feel no shame, but they brought shame upon this nation, and for that, they are, they are guilty and should be made to feel the shame, and therefore should, you know, do the honorable thing and relieve us of their shame. Yeah. Does that so, make sense? <laughs> we'll get more into that topic uh, of the whole... The, the, the torture program, but, but yeah, let's, get, let's continue a little bit more on the economy, because it's, it's just such a mess. It needs to be talked about. Mainstream uh, corporate news media is doing a 
pretty miserable job of really the dealing with actually acknowledging the how horrible this is well i one thing that really about the mainstream media when they talk about the subprime mortgage fallout um it's almost a blame the victim concept subprime lending uh was based was predicated on these um predatory loan practices and the subprime mortgage issue uh, you you hear a lot about people that couldn't afford the good credit didn't have good credit couldn't afford the better loan rates and everything so subprime uh meaning that they paid a higher interest rate and they had a, a less than favorable loan they had uh, higher terms that would renew uh, loan uh, uh interest rate would renew periodically couldn't get into a nice fixed rate. All of these things um, make up the subprime candidate because they were, you know, historically and uh, and certainly recently, it's been that most most of the subprime candidates are uh, black, Hispanic. They're not white people. Most of the most of the subprime mortgages did not go to white Americans, um, even with the same income levels, even with the same credit ratings. So. There's a little bit of fishy business going on with that, and blame the victim. Uh, now that the mortgage rates have gone up and people can't afford these higher interest rates, we've talked about how jobs have been stagnant, wages have not gone up, and in cases where uh, new jobs have been created, if you've lost a job and you've gotten a new job, often you're taking a cut in salary. Uh, now these mortgage rates have gone up, people can't afford the loans, the bottom has fallen out of the market, the real estate market, the houses aren't worth what they were when these people bought the houses. And they're blaming, in many cases, the uh, the loaners or the the uh, the mortgagees, the people that took out these loans. And whereas the lenders, um, oh, they're feeling a little bit of the fault for it, for having you know invested poorly in some of these loans that they wrote, and then Wall Street turned around, repackaged these loans, and sold them off as bonds, what have you. Um, but the big problem and things that are not getting paid attention to are the predatory uh, loan. Um, strategies. When I was got a loan a couple of years ago, uh, I was trying to get a nice fixed rate loan, something simple. I qualify for that. I was still being sold a mortgage that would adjust so often, pay interest only, and all these teaser rates and everything. And I was being sold this bill of goods that it would outperform the, you know, the long-term fixed rate mortgage. People were being sold these loans because they were making extra money for the big banks. So you were being pressured into it. I was being pressured into it and, you know, didn't want to do it. I, you know, paid a little extra and just paid for a fixed rate. And And I was, you know, being told I was stupid by, you know, the mortgage brokers. But you weren't. But I wasn't. But you're a pretty savvy guy. On occasion. (laughs) I'm still wearing sunglasses. (laughs) Indoors, yes. But most people out there, when they borrow money for a car or a home people they're working people they they are not they don't have degrees in finance that's not their area of expertise so granted you want to talk to different people and get all the information you can but now the person making the loan to you is supposed to be a professional they know what they're doing right so you 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 never should totally trust anybody but at the same time you figure there are some regulations in play some general notion of ethics but actually that's not the case and and you also brought up an excellent point about the um, types of people who were being steered into the subprime Mm -hmm. I mean actually they were trying to 
steer as many people as possible. Uh, but now this is from Greg Palast's article. I think you read this as well. Uh, this is Greg Palast always writes good stuff, and this is his. Uh, it's called Elliot's Mess, and mm-hmm. how it all relates to Elliot Spitzer. But anyway, in Palast's article, he says seventy three percent of high income black and Hispanic borrowers were given subprime loans versus 17% of similar income whites. So there seems to be this racist component to it. And Mm -hmm. uh, blacks and Hispanics who were actually high income had the qualifications to get a real loan, a decent loan, uh, were steered into these crazy loans. Mm -hmm. So, And I don't think it's necessarily that people weren't savvy. They just knew they had no other option. Oh, yeah, that's what Pallas says in his article, that they had no choice. They wouldn't give him anything else. So that needs to be investigated. And so, lo and behold, I, as, just as an anecdote, uh, several years ago in New York, I was applying for a mortgage, uh, mortgage broker I was working with, African-American gentleman, uh, filling out all the paperwork with him. And he got to the uh, section where it says, you know, ethnicity, state this. He just looked square in the eye and he said, you're going to put Caucasian. You are Caucasian. I can guarantee you, if you put anything else, you're not going to get a mortgage. Wow, that that's uh, yeah. that hits pretty uh, hard uh, there. Pretty uh, intense, yeah. So yeah, yeah, a guy from the inside, a guy on the inside, yeah, a guy who is uh, suffered the discrimination from the other end. It appears so. It's yeah. not that you don't know, or you're you're being finagled without knowing. You just know that you're getting the best they're going to offer you. So that's I think many of these people, you know, in the high income bracket, they took it because that's all they could get. Yeah, and so, I, as I said, this needs to be investigated, and lo and behold, it was being investigated, especially this kind of racist component of it, and who was doing that investigation? Elliot Spitzer. Yes, Elliot Spitzer, the man who um, likes hot young uh, prostitutes. <laughs> well, it, Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we got to say it again, you know. She was she, hot. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's sort of a man's judgment can be impaired. But anyway. Yeah. Bad move. It, bad move. He was investigating this as well as just the overall notion of this mess, subprime loans. What the hell is going on? This is crazy. This is a recipe for disaster. Saw this about five years ago. Got together with it. it this was when he was... Attorney General of New York, right. got together with attorneys general from several states, actually all 49 other states, mm-hmm. and started saying, look, we got to do something about this. We need to put regulations back in place. Actually, there were regulations There in were place. regulations, but federal regulations had been relaxed, so the states had to start imposing their own. By uh, which administration? In 2003, who was in power? Gosh, I think it was Dick Cheney. I mean, George Bush. Yeah, there you go. So he, he's saying, you know, we got to do something about this, and they actually were. They were bringing lawsuits they were uh, dealing with these lenders who were behaving in very unethical manners so he's upsetting a lot of people with this and then february 14th valentine's day valentine's day just kind of a weird coincidence <laughs> night before i had a little tryst with uh kirsten, kirsten. <laughs> lovely young woman valentine's day what a mess elliot what about your wife you know it's elliot, a li- please you were no. smart you were stupid <laughs> decide which one you are okay so writes that it runs on valentine's day in the washington post mm-hmm. laying all this out how the bush administration 
was looking the other way. He and all these attorneys general were trying to do something about it. But then the Bush administration finds this weird thing. What is it? The... uh, the OCC, Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. Nobody had ever heard of this organization, no outside of government. Kind of a an obscure agency. Bush administration used them in a very twisted manner, the way they do all these things with their signing statements, and mm-hmm. there's the spirit of the law, and they just screw the spirit of the law. And uh, if we can find loopholes through the letter of the law, we'll, we'll definitely do that. And what they did, and actually took a, a uh, invoked a clause from the 1863 National Bank Act to issue uh, formal opinions preempting all state predatory lending laws, thereby rendering them inoperative. <laughs> all of these laws that put in place prior or or that Spitzer and the others uh, other attorneys general were putting in place, Bush, the administration, through the OCC, through this... Uh, Clause from the 1863, 1863 National Bank Act said, screw all that. We're going to let this predatory lending go on. Let it slide. So what Spitzer's editorial in the Washington Post therefore makes very clear is that the, this meltdown is entirely the fault of the Bush administration. I mean, yeah, other people have fault for being involved in it, but it never could have incur- occurred if not for these people at the very top just saying, screw the regulations. And, and why would they do that? Well, um, are they making any money off it? I don't know. Well, somebody who's <laughs> making a hell of a lot of money. Somebody's making a lot of money. And uh, I'm sure good friends of Dick Cheney's, uh, just like Halliburton makes a damn lot of money on the Iraq war. And I, I don't know, I think Dick Cheney has some sort of relationship with them. Some small connection, you know, some annual paycheck or something like that. And, and you know, I, I bring this up a lot on, on Out the Rabbit Hole, and we were talking about it last week. We were actually even talking about this yesterday on the Aggressive Moderate. But, you know, it needs to be talked about. I may talk about it again next week on the show because it's not getting covered in the mainstream media. They're just looking, oh, we've got this meltdown. There's a problem with the economy. Well, everybody's uh, got to tighten their belts. Well, where's the problem? How did this occur? You know, follow the money trail. Where is the ultimate blame? Yeah, we went from a surplus at the end of the Clinton administration to major, major, major deficits. And where's the money been going? It's been going to the Iraq war effort. And where is that going? It's going to Halliburton. Uh, you know, the big shift of money. We, As you say, we've talked about this many times um, war and even the subprime lending meltdown and bailout of uh, Bear Stearns. It's a way of shifting capital from uh, the public funds to the private pockets. The private pockets of the poor, needy CEOs and shareholders of Halliburton and Bechtel and uh, Blackwater, those lovely little mercenary boys. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 then on top of this, these people are, are committing horrible crimes. KBR, subsidiary Halliburton of Halliburton. Uh, have you, are you familiar with their sort of rape epidemic? Um, no, I'm not. There was a case of uh, their workers over there in, uh, I believe it was Iraq, might have been Afghanistan, probably Iraq, raping their co-workers. Uh, you know, the the lovely uh, 
you know those lovely guys that that use roofies and uh, do that sort of uh, rape her while she's unconscious. Yeah, it's oh my. even a little more sleazy than just a standard rape. Well, <laughs> I mean, if that's possible, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Let's not, let's not get way down in the semantics of that. Yeah, it's all bad. It's all really bad, but this is like not only are you raping someone, you're, it's more you're, sinister and criminal, I think. You're giving them a drug. You you you're dosing them against their knowledge. This is this is a horrible thing. I mean, some people might have a, a reaction to to roofies and cause them some sort of serious damage. So this is a horrible thing. So this is going on with KBR. The KBR management people tried to cover this up. The, this uh latest case this woman, uh, she's got a lawyer now, and she's uh, just in, in suffered horrible physical trauma and, of course, psychological trauma. And, and so this is going on over there, and uh, these are the kind of people who we are uh, subsidizing with the, all of this uh, horrible Iraq war effort. And uh, so I just, uh, you know, sometimes you want to get into the ugly details just so people know how horrible this is. Mm. So uh, th- that's going on, and, and the um, all of this messing up the economy. We've got these unemployment rates that are are newly high. We've got a record number of people on food stamps now. Right, you mentioned that earlier. That's insane. We've got uh, now eighty one percent of Americans in the latest poll are saying we're on the wrong track. Yeah, that's eighty one percent. I don't know if that's Americans. a record, but that's super high. I. If it's not a record, I'd hate to see who held the record. <laughs> so, I mean, that's more than 8 out of 10 people saying we are really on the wrong track. This country is going in the wrong direction. We also have another uh, survey came, that just came out of historians. These are professional historians, academics. We're not necessarily politically uh, political people who are saying this was like over 90% said the Bush presidency is, is a failure, and over 90% say he's like the worst administration ever. So, my God, it's, it's a weird time to be a Republican. Uh, you know, if I were a Republican, I'd be embarrassed right now, um, especially the people with the Bush uh, stickers on their car. Um, I, you just can't remove that thing? I mean, <laughs> there's got to be a solvent out there that'll get that off your car for you because you've got to be embarrassed. That's funny you bring that up, because on the way over here, <laughs> I actually saw two cars <laughs> really, with bush stickers. And, and one of them, it looked very new, like the sticker was recently put on the car, or the vehicle, which is a, 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 an SUV. <laughs> and it was off-roaders for bush. Okay. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, rednecks for bush. And then there's <laughs> another one. It was just the little W sticker, which is so weird. It looks like a symbol that you could kind of twist it a little. It's a little bit fascist. Yeah, almost kind of swastika-ish. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I'm rolling my eyes behind my sunglasses. Yeah, okay, I know I'm going a bit far today. Oh, no, but it's just, uh, it's frightening. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you know, there you have all of that. So, I urge people to really look more into this whole Elliot Spitzer thing and not about what he did, the supposed crime, which he hasn't really been charged with anything yet, but why he was gone after, why the FBI leaked the investigation of him, why they were investigating him in the first place. 
when it was transfers of three, four thousand dollars, this mm-hmm. is not a, a huge amount of money for somebody who's a multimillionaire. So was this politically motivated? I think yes. And we, you know, look, do the Google, Elliot Spitzer, Washington Post, February fourteenth, two thousand eight. See the editorial he wrote, mm-hmm. and see if you think, oh, would this trigger? an investigation by the Bush administration, who's known for political witch hunts. Mm-hmm. And Elliot Spitzer, governor of New York, powerful state, uh, powerful governor. I mean, you know, his popularity in New York was dropping. He didn't have a lot of uh, friends when he got into the legislature there. Um, had some trouble keeping people happy, but still a very powerful figure and had already uh, imposed regulation and lawsuits on Wall Street, the banking industry. Uh, he was a force to be reckoned with, and he was there to um, <laughs> continue to, to be a force. Well, <laughs> they fought force with uh, another force. Yeah, it, so really people pay attention to this. Do the Google and the Elliot Spitzer, fi- find out... Uh, What's really behind this? And, and, and you know, don't uh, get caught up in this salacious, uh, titillating mainstream media version of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, go ahead and Google the pictures of uh, <laughs> what's her name. As long as you're not at work, don't uh, Ashley uh, uh, Dupree. I mean, it's ni- nice to look at, but uh, come on, <laughs> that's not what this is about. Right. And what that is about is again, that's about that sort of watch the birdie kind of politics. You know, throw up a big scandal with a lot of you know. Uh, lust and and dirt in it and everyone's going to pay attention to that and you know the governor with his pants down and you know the hot looking prostitute she's all over the internet nobody's going to pay attention to what was going on um, behind the scenes what was Elliot Spitzer doing that got people mad at him that's why you know we're all watching the birdie right we're watching uh, you know Ashley Kristen whatever her name is this week Um, meanwhile they're getting away with uh, you know bailing out private industry with public funds yeah it's so wow so many of these conservatives say that they're they're against the nanny state the government helping people out giving them handouts but yeah no welfare unless you're a billionaire yes it's like we don't want the government giving handouts to people who need handouts they should be giving handouts to people who don't need handouts. You don't need handouts. People with a lot of money, they're the ones that, you know, need to keep their standing in so, uh, social circles. Whereas, you know, somebody who's just lost their house because their interest rate quadrupled and they lost their job and now they're living in a Toyota, you know, we can't help them. Yes, it's the old reverse Robin Hood effect. So uh, that's... Uh People started saying that during the Reagan era, but it's it's gone to an extreme level now. This is just way uh, wow. Did you ever think that you you would feel look that Reagan, Reagan wasn't that bad? <laughs> you know, I never thought I'd look back nostalgically over those uh, terrible years in the eighties. Yeah, here we are. So we're uh, I think we have to end maybe a few minutes early today because of another uh, baseball uh, broadcast. But so we want to make sure we get in a couple of things. Hopefully we can talk a little bit about the the presidential race, but let's let's make sure we cover the Vanity Fair article, the green light. And uh, Thomas, did you have a chance to read that or look at it? At I all? saw pieces of it um, and some of the information I'd seen before, but uh, I'm sure there's a lot more in there that I uh, it's coming to light now. It's newer information um, detailing the history of uh, what brought our torture program 
into this uh, administration and you know and you and I asked this question of each other earlier why would we engage in torture is it for the individual who's in custody to try to get some information not really because torture is not a reliable source of obtaining accurate information uh, torture if it's being done and people know it's being done um, it's a fear tactic for those people that aren't in custody so right uh, you know Naomi Wolf um, was on this program made a point about that you know, she has her book uh, the end of America it talks about how totalitarian fascist states sort of come to power and that it's not necessarily or not even most of the time as a result of a military coup. It's sort of this gradual thing of rights being taken away and instituting certain programs where people are made to feel afraid. People are searched all the time. People's phones are tapped. Uh, people are searched at the airports uh, wow why does this all sound so familiar well, you know, a, every time i fly i'm in that extra line for security don't ask me why uh, right and then i know a lot of other people who've been on the show same same thing and she also talks about things like torture and how that they start instituting these programs and how that well first it's only done to terrorists mm -hmm. it's only done to people who are a danger but then once people are okay with that, then it's like, well, people who have committed other crimes but just don't want to talk about it, okay? Mm -hmm. People of other ethnicities, and gradually people get accustomed to it, and then it's just a program that everyone accepts. And we're kind of at the kind of first stages of that, where it's still supposedly just done to terror suspects. But we know very damn well that it's been done to people who have now been shown to be totally innocent mm -hmm. people who've been released if they were that dangerous they never would have been released they never would have been released and so this is a horrible thing torture is a horrible thing done to anybody it should never be done it's it's not a humane civilized thing but it's even worse when somebody's totally innocent of any crime mm -hmm. so uh, i just i missed the days when we were the good guys america you could feel proud about yourself because we were the good country yeah we're not perfect nobody's perfect but we were the country in the world that didn't do these things. Well, and yeah. now we're the country that might be doing it to our own people. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the CIA has for a long time sort of been involved with this kind of stuff, but it was always like they knew it was illegal. They did it through proxies if they did it themselves. They did, and it's, again, it was wrong. It's never right. If they did it themselves, they did it in an underground manner it was like we got to cover our asses if we're caught we know we're going to pay for this criminal charges that was the thing now it's wide open it's like you've got these creeps i call these guys creeps because they they, they really are they're very twisted people like douglas fife people like david addington alberto gonzalez john Yu. these people who make these twisted arguments to find a way that we can say that torture is illegal. The majority of legal scholars will say this is just nonsense. This wouldn't hold up anywhere. And much of what they've argued has even by our own very right-wing Supreme Court been struck down in the Hamdan versus uh, Rumsfeld. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, these twisted people are trying to find ways to, to, to make this, that it's okay. And, and as you said, it's like it, it doesn't serve a means as far as extracting information because it's very... Uh, uh, unreliable and and 
torture victim John McCain has even said this. While he mm-hmm. was being tortured, they were asking him for names of different people. He didn't have the names to give them. So they just start making things up. He started giving them names, uh, as he said, of the Green Bay Packers, which he figured they wouldn't know who those people were anyway. So, uh, But there you go. So he's giving them crappy information. This is not useful. And in fact... The justification for the Iraq war, one of the things where they said we had information that al-Qaeda was connected, blah, 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 or some of this WMD, we now know that that information was extracted through torture. The guy just gave them what he thought they wanted to hear. And a very so, unreliable source to begin with, and then he gave even more unreliable information. So, so there you go. So I think you're very much right that this is used – it's – Another, it's a form of terrorism itself, the mm-hmm. torture program. It's to let everybody know out there, this is what we do. We have a torture program. If you piss us off, if you do something we don't like, we may bring you in on the program. You may, you may suffer waterboarding. You may uh, be uh, put in uh, sensory deprivation for a month and let your mind just start kind of going uh, nuts. We can do these things to you. We've done it. We've Nobody's done it, stopping and we'll us. do it again, and... It's the sick mind that finds these crazed little rationalizations and little loopholes to make this a legal program. And when you think that your country is run by people like that, that's as uh, terrifying as anything else. Yes, and a couple of good things brought up in the Vanity Fair article, The Green Light, uh, written by Felipe Sanz, is that he talks about a lawyer in Nazi Germany after World War II who was actually had charges brought up on him because he did this sort of thing finding a little loophole so that we can say that torture is okay we can say that it's okay to transfer people to concentration camps that we know are death camps or to not let them be transferred out when we know there's a likelihood they're going to be killed there this guy was writing these kinds of opinions like that he was convicted. He served it was five to seven years. So lawyers can uh, have charges brought against them for doing this sort of thing. So David Addington, John Yu, these guys might want to think about it. And Felipe Sanz in the Vanity Fair article makes this point that it may not happen now. It may not happen next year. But two, three years from now, five years from now, John Yu may take a little trip to, uh, I don't know, his name sounds... Uh, Chinese, maybe he's of Chinese descent, maybe he want to take a trip to China, or maybe he wants want to take a trip to Europe. That would probably be more likely. I don't. China's probably not too likely to arrest him on human rights abuses, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because they have they're their the torchbearers. They have of human own, rights abuse, right? Right. But you know, maybe he's going to take a trip to to England, because as we all know. Pinochet, the dictator of Chile, who was guilty of ordering torture, was arrested there to be sent to uh, Spain on charges of torturing uh, Spanish citizens. So this is a possibility. So these guys need to think about this. And Sands in the article also points out that the Military Commissions Act, which was passed in 2006, Mm -hmm. which actually sort of more okays torture, Mm -hmm. actually gives retroactive immunity. Retroactive immunity. Something they're really big on. In this administration. Uh, yeah, for what these guys had done. He said, actually, that that was a really stupid thing to do. Because now, when these guys, David Addington, maybe makes a trip to France or something, and uh, 
they decide they want to arrest him for war crimes, for writing these opinions, they're going to say, well, we, we need to arrest him. We have more reason to do it because we know there's no likelihood of him being prosecuted in the U.S. because they passed this Military mm-hmm. Commissions Act. So uh, Sands in the article says that actually was a really stupid thing on, on their part. So we'll see how that plays out, although it's still stupid or not, it, it's a... It's a uh, horrible uh, law to have been passed and shame on anybody who voted for that mm-hmm. and okay so let's we've got a few minutes left here uh, thomas and uh, thomas saganko and me robert larson here on out the rabbit hole kuci in irvine let's talk with how things have been shaking out in the presidential race and I mean, we know McCain is the nominee on the Republican side, but things are still really weird on the Democratic side. What are your thoughts on what's going on there? It's, as you say, it's very weird. Um, it, it just seems a little more likely that it's going to be Obama with the nomination. There's going to be a fight for the superdelegates. Um, we are, I believe, two weeks, two and a half weeks away from Pennsylvania. Uh, I haven't seen the latest polls. I don't know if you have access uh, right now to bring up any of the latest polls uh, with Pennsylvania. It's very strange. We have Hillary Clinton still clinging on. They are so close uh, to each other, but enough distance between them that it's really hard to imagine that she's going to be able to uh, pull out with a nomination. But it's still playing out. Uh, The fact that it's going on this long, a lot of people are concerned that it's going to divide the party. You and I spoke about this last week, how... Uh, They're both saying, you know, we will have a united party after this process is finished. Let this process play out. I think people are starting to get in line with that. I'm actually starting to hear a little more, um, you know, not backlash, but people that were very pro-Obama who are starting to just, I guess maybe just the whole process is tiring everybody, and they're starting to voice a few, um, I don't know, concerns uh, about Obama Nothing, nothing major, of course, but uh, a lot has come out about his um, his uh, former minister, and some people are concerned that he might have a little more of these extremist people in his, um, uh, more or less in his posse, as it were, rather than being an extremist himself. I really think some of that is trying to play toward the the middle of the road. People that are a little more. Um, extreme he's uh, had some ties to people that were you know sort of you know anti-homosexual rights things like that and some people are a little concerned that he might be a little more conservative than they like Uh, really i think that seems like he's trying to play toward middle america a little bit more um, than anything and i people are starting to voice these concerns that it's old news it's been talked about ages ago already yet since this process is drawing on for so long this stuff is starting to recycle through again. Um, whether that's going to ha- affect a national campaign, who knows, because maybe by the time we get to a national campaign, it will have already been recycled three times. People are going to be bored with it. Right. So do you, uh, how do you think, let's assume Obama is the, the nominee, and well, wait, before I go to that, do you, do you think the Democrats are going to wrap this up by next month, May, or, or June 1st, as Howard Dean has said? I think it will. I think it's going to wrap itself up um, after Pennsylvania. I think it's going to be very clear. Um, I don't know what the recent is. I, it was decided a few uh, week ago or so that 
um, the two campaigns will have to decide on how Florida and uh, Michigan delegates are seated at the convention. Um, I don't expect there to be much agreement on, you know, that the, the party has decided to pull itself out of that decision-making process. So that's going to sort of, I think, leave a checkmate or a stalemate, rather. Um, I, I think it's going to play itself out in the next, uh, after the next big primary. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the latest polls here, and uh, there's like three different ones that have done within the last couple of days. And there's one, uh, Pennsylvania, Clinton versus Obama, Clinton plus three. Another one has Obama plus two. Another <laughs> one has Clinton plus 11. So uh, <laughs> it, you average those. It's about a Clinton plus six or something like right. that, which, you know, she was in double digits. So it's trending towards Obama, but... Uh, you know, I think Clinton will probably still win Pennsylvania, but if it's not a huge win, it, it's problematic for her. She needs something like a 60-40 win to, mm-hmm. to really get any momentum back in her direction. And I think, so assuming Obama is the nominee, uh, how do you think the, the Republicans are, are going to campaign against him? I mean, we know they're going to throw all kinds of crap, but... but uh, well, it's it's curious if there's much more that they can throw at him now um in terms of you know just bad publicity that hasn't been thrown at him already um we spoke some time ago and we, you know i was thinking what what the clintons are uh, throwing at him is nothing compared to what the republicans will throw at him well i think maybe they've stepped it up a tiny bit um i think they've got the gloves on still the republicans are going to come out with the gloves off uh, they're already you know, foaming at the mouth, waiting to get at him, I think. Well, but do, now, do you think the Democrats are going to understand that they, they need to step up like they haven't done in the last two presidential elections and fight fire with fire and bring up all of these things? McCain's ridiculous remark the other day in, in Iraq where Joe Lieberman had to correct him, his his remark about he doesn't understand the economy, his, his just today... <laughs> admitting well admitting we all knew he voted against the martin luther king holiday right. and I, I i said before we were on the air and i'll say it again now on the air is that <laughs> i think mccain said that to be sort of appeal to to moderate americans yeah i i made a mistake in not voting for the mlk holiday but then at the same time reminding reminding the rednecks that, that he didn't vote for it hey fellas wink wink i didn't vote for that uh so you know I'm I'm with the good old uh, white uh, brotherhood uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, network. Uh, yeah, you know I'm uh, I mean I'm not, I'm not saying McCain is is uh, an out and out racist, but uh, he's playing to that base. The Republicans always play to that base. They Republicans always play the race card. Um, it's it's part of that twisted base in the redneck world. So, yeah, so I, I think the Democrats got a lot they can throw at him. I mean, there's so much, you know, all of the flip-flop type of thing. There's so much flip-flopping things that they can throw at him, and they really need to do that. And, you know, I'm not totally thrilled about Obama or Clinton. And, I, I mean, you know, we always talk the Supreme Court. Yeah, that, that's a huge thing, and that's probably the main reason to, to vote for them over McCain, either one of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, aren't you troubled that, that they both voted for the Patriot Act? Um, I'm troubled by anyone who voted for the Patriot Act, absolutely. Um, but, it, you know, it's we've got three of them up there, so. Yeah. Okay, uh, Thomas, we got to close out the show here because uh, we got the broadcast coming up. I think they're calling in now. So uh, thanks so much for being on the show again. Thanks again. Thomas Sedanko, always with uh, great comments, insights, and uh, witticisms. And Robert Larson here.
Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, also on the web at KUCI.org. And I'll remind you, as always, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And give me some feedback on the show, would you? R.G. Larson at KUCI.org. You can also catch me on MySpace. That's MySpace.com slash Out the Rabbit Hole. All right, be talking to you next week.